Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. Tom, how you doing? Mike, I'm good. So, everyone owns socks, Tom. Do you have a predominant sock color? Are you a white sock guy or a black sock guy? I have like a mix of socks. That's like, that's where I live too. I black, have a white, mix. and gray. I skew towards black socks. Anyway, with that, um, let's jump right into the mailbag because our flagship show went very long. A little behind the scenes, uh, our show got interrupted because uh, the internet is an a-hole. By the way, Tom, did you get a lot of snow? I did. I uh, got a decent amount of snow. Uh, I think it was like eight or nine inches. Oh, shit. Yeah. Central Jersey, we got three, three and a half, four where I live in Monmouth County. So uh, not a ton, but enough to make driving shitty. Um, you had eight inches. Jesus. Yeah. And a lot of it was not like complete accumulation where it snowed and then just blowing snow and then it would stop and it would start again. But the, the fucked up thing is it's going to be in the 50s and 60s towards the end of the week. So That's so fucked up. The same thing happened at the like when we transitioned from summer to the fall. One day, like mm-hmm. the humidity would be here and then it would be like, oh, no, it's it's like 50 and balmy and nice and then the next day it's like it's 85 degrees with 90 percent humidity um anyway let's let's hit the mail back here tom let's, let's hit the sweet mail back alex Khalifa, uh his twitter handle by the way is good guy in sports which i think is adorable and he has a little teddy bear next to his name all these things i like about alex Khalifa, including the fact that he writes in by the way uh just use hashtag bantering points on twitter and we'll see it you can also shoot us an email um, if you, if we get a post up about the podcast and the site, you can ask a question in the comments there, or if you're a patron, send us a message on Patreon and we'll, we'll read your question extra nice with extra good with sprinkles from Alex. Zabinajad looked terrific in New Jersey. How's he shaken off the rust so quickly, Tom? I would say the simplest answer is that he's a really good hockey player and it was a situation of him just getting healthier and feeling better. Uh, I know he was on the ice a lot in non-contact Jersey skating on his own and, you know, just working on his game. And I'd say the biggest thing for a player coming back is actual game action for, you know, for your heart rate and just how your endurance level is. Uh, And he's a really good player and he, came back and he had a great game against Carolina. And from there, he's just used it as a a stepping off point. I think the reason he looks so good is I hope that he just took as much time as he needed to get healthy. Um, And again, it wasn't a concussion as we talked about in the flagship briefly, you know, it was, it appeared to be something upper body, likely the neck, I think. Um, But, you know, he did miss, 13 games. So, you know, he missed a good chunk of time, Tom, which leads me to believe that, you know, the Rangers took their time here and Mika took his time, which is the right thing to do, especially in a season like this. And especially when you're dealing with something uh, that's an upper body injury around the head, um, you know, from the nature of how he got injured from that Patrice Bergeron, like reverse hit. Uh, I think you want to be very careful in that situation. And I'm hoping that's one of the reasons why Mika has looked so good. And his four points in the four games since his return, including two goals, um, a shorty and a power play goal, actually, uh, is that 
the Rangers took their time. Mika took his time and, you know, he came back when he was ready. And that's the right thing to do, right thing to do from an organizational standpoint and from a personal, you know, individual career standpoint for Mika. And like you said, he's just quite good at hockey. Um, it doesn't surprise me that he has immediately started producing. I didn't think it was going to be one of those things where we had to wait to see Mika be Mika again, uh, because really before he got hurt, I don't think we've seen a better version of Mika Zibanejad than, you know, the way he was playing in like the first nine games of the season before that injury happened, Tom. Like, what did he start the season off with? Like back-to-back four-point games or something? It was... He was very good. Yeah, he was just, he came out of the gate just absolutely on fire. And uh, which was one of the reasons why it was just the Rangers' schedule at the time was so brutal because they played like one game in 11 days or some crap. And it's like, but Mika's red hot. What the hell, schedule makers? And then, of course, you know, he's back. And, you know, the Rangers are back. And he picks up some more points. He still looks just as good. And then gets injured. And then it's, ah, crap. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could still be a huge season for Zibanejad. You know, it's important to note that, you know, he has 13 games, 15 points, six goals, nine assists. And... Yeah, I, I was one of the people who, you know, before the season, I, I wrote in a couple places that I really feel like, you know, he could have a 40 goal season this year. I don't think that's realistic anymore because of the time he missed, but uh, he could still crack 30, Tom, despite the games he missed, uh, which would match what he did last year. I'll be interested to see, you know, what he ends up with. But a lot of that's tied to what the lines are. Um, let's move on to the next one. Uh, from Panarin 2020, uh, we always appreciate him writing in. He says, hey, Mike and Tom, with Shesterk and Stellar play, how much longer do we think it is before the Rangers have a goalie issue? Could we potentially see a Georgiev trade sooner rather than later? I would say that the longer that Shesterkin plays well, he's going to want an opportunity to get a look at the NHL level. I think that they could rotate three goalies for an extended period. Um, Yeah. Where you have Hank travel with the team, but maybe not dressed for a game or two. Uh, It would have to depend on how the AHL schedule is going, which is something that they play a lot of games on weekends, but then there's also some times where they have games during the, the week. Like I think the pack, recently had like a Wednesday early game. Then they had a Friday, Saturday type deal. Um, So you would want to make sure that you're not, you know, pressing Adam Huska by leaving him, you know, out on his own. Yeah. But, but I, I think they have options and I, I don't think that um, they would trade Gorgiev, you know, sooner rather than later. I still think that that's like an off season type move because how many goalie trades do you really see in season? And it's not like a team trading for him would for Gorgiev to be their starter. So, yeah, it was funny because uh, today, uh, meeting this is Tuesday, I was looking at this, Tom, and I was looking at like some of the players who've been a big disappointment this season. I, I did a quick little tw- little Twitter poll. I said, you know, I said, Carey Price, PK Subban, um, Sergei Bobrovsky, or other. And while I did that, I was just looking at, you know, the basic save percentage stats, nothing too deep. Like Bob has like an 884 save percentage right now, which is just brutal for how much he's making. Um, But one of the things that kills me is that uh, 
Martin Jones, Tom. He is 12, 8, and 1. He has an 896A percentage. I think, like, would the Sharks consider a trade to get Georgiev? The problem there is they have, uh, what is it? They have, how many more years was, like, Jones is still, yeah, I think he has, like, four years left on his deal. Yeah, he has, he has a few years. Oh, he has five years left on his deal. Jesus, at 5.75. Aaron Dell, their backup, is a UFA at the end of the year at 1.9. But, like, to... I'm I'm only mentioning him because, you know, to kind of go off of your thing where how many teams are actually looking for a starting goalie. Like there are some teams out there who feel like they might be a good goalie away. Um, And, you know, like I think the Sharks are one of those teams that they can't help but wonder maybe one, how far they, you know, how much different things might have looked if they had Martin Jones, uh, someone other than Martin Jones last year and. You know, the fact that his he still has a sub 900 save percentage this year is is not encouraging. <laughs> um, I don't think, you know, the, the Habs are going to look for a goalie anytime soon. Carey Price is still Carey Price. Florida is all the way invested in Bob. Um, and then, you know, we start talking about like, you know, Jonathan Quick and is has had really a brutal year. But the Kings are not, you know, the Kings are the Kings, right? They're not looking to get a starting goalie or maybe like a 1A or a 1B. The Devils goaltending has been a disaster, but they're they're likely end up lowering the standings in the Rangers. They shouldn't be in any rush to get a goalie. And before you know it, like the list of candidates for a, a team to make a trade in season for a player who's shaping up to be as valuable as Gurgiev is pretty short. Like maybe you find maybe you could put two, three teams on that list of teams who would might be interested in it midseason, but like you said i think this is a question we've touched on before and, and off the post i just don't think it's likely that we see an in-season goalie trade um but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't see shesterkin get some action in the nhl uh and the other thing i think that's important to keep in mind really is that it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of in organization like competition the fact that the rangers have this much depth at goaltending is great and it's also Very important, I think, to remember that, you know, two seasons from now, Lundqvist's contract is up. And, you know, it's great that Adam Huska is looking as promising as he is and that the Rangers have a couple other, you know, interesting, you know, goaltending prospects. Tyler Wall being one of them who's really had a strong year in the NCAA. I think with UMass Lowell, I think that's where he's playing. Um, But I don't, it's not like it's push comes to shove just yet, right? It's, there's going to be some time. And with that being said, I think the Rangers should listen because if there's the right deal and if they feel this confident about Chesterkin, which I think they should, it wouldn't be the end of the world to move, Georgie. I just don't think you have to rush to do it. It's not like, you know, heading into next season, I think, you know, you might have a problem in terms of the offseason with convincing Chesterkin to be happy. Um, maybe spending a tiny bit more time in Hartford if you're trying to find a suitor for Georgiev. But I, I would, I guess, what I'm getting at here, Tom, I'd be surprised if Georgiev was here next year. Is where it's starting to point to for me. Is that Understandable. Feel, yeah. But again, it doesn't need to happen. They can rotate three. They can they can figure out a lot of things. They think the big mistake would be to to give up Georgiev for less than he's worth, and considering. 
the way he's played behind this defense at times, I, I'm inclined to believe he's worth a hell of a lot. Um, let's see from David L. Singer. Hasn't, uh, speaking of trade value, hasn't Kreider's trade value diminished from last year? What is his return at the deadline, Tom? I think his value is still going to be pretty much the same, um, give or take, because a team that is trying to win a Stanley Cup is going to want a player like him in the lineup because yeah. they can, you know, deploy him in a, a multitude of ways. So it might be you know, marginally less, but mm. I don't think it's too big of a deal um, either way. So in my head, like I formed the sentence and I was like, I'm going to say this to Tom. It's probably going to sound dumb as hell. I don't think Kreider has hurt his value. I just don't think he's done a lot to help it. Does that make sense? Well, that makes sense. Cause like, he's a guy who a lot of his value is frankly, the perception of the player. He is Kreider is a guy who's known around the league. He's a guy that a lot of teams covet, like guys, so many teams were, you know, really interested in a guy like Charlie Coyle uh, before he ended up in Boston. Like Crowder's mixture of size and speed, there are teams throughout the league that would give up real assets to get him. Like, and the thing that's so fascinating is all the years we've talked about Crowder and Edmonton, the Oilers are actually good this year, Tom. They're winning hockey games, Edmonton Oilers. For now. Did you know that? They're, they're playing well for now. I want to see if it continues. I have, you know, measured uh, hope. But Just we'll because see. the Oilers allow a lot of goals, they can just outscore their problems is what I'm trying to say. They haven't been great of late, by the way. But, I mean, they're 17-9-3. And, and I'm not sure there's a better two-player combo than Dreisaitl and that McDougal kid, whatever his name is. Um yeah, I don't think Kreider's hurt his value. I, what his return right now at the deadline is, um, of course, the the no-duh answer is it always depends on what the market is. Um, you know, who else is available? Who else teams are calling for? Who are the teams that are calling what they have in terms of assets? But I'm inclined to believe you look at the deal the Rangers got for Zuccarello, and it's going to be better than that. It's... Like it's going to be maybe I feel like we're seeing a lot of conditional picks and trades lately, especially in deadline deals, I think. And, you know, there's also been somewhat of a history, actually, be interesting to look at uh, Jeff Gordon uh, taking conditional picks back in trades or having conditional picks involved in trades in general, because even, uh, you know, the picks that went over to Carolina for, um, for Adam Fox are conditional. Um, might be a little, might be a little trend in, in Gordon there to look at, Tom. Future article, remind me. Um, but I, uh, he's gonna get a lot. I think he gets a good prospect and a, and a first round pick is my general guess right now. If I had to, does that feel too much to you, Tom, or does that feel about right? I guess it's also dependent on what happens with uh, Taylor Hall when he's moved. Um, if someone yeah, who, like Johnny Goudreau, the, yeah. who's been rumored to be on the block potentially. Why that, would they trade Johnny Goudreau? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that changes now that, you know, new coach and, or interim coach in Calgary, and maybe they try to put things back on the rails, but something to think about. Yeah. I just, uh... If I was a Calgary fan, I'd be losing my mind over Goudreau trade talk. Um, our next question is from Chris Mar- Marco Trignano. Chris, I'm sorry. Chris M. 
Hi, Mike and Tom. Do you think it's time to send Lieber Hayek to the AHL given his struggles? Chris, yes. the answer is yes. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the flagship. Uh, we got into some Hayek talk. Um, I mentioned um, an article that went up on Tuesday that there's definitely a case to be made that when Stahl comes back, which is uh, starting to look like it's in the immediate future here, that it should probably be Hayek and not Lindgren. And I also think it's important to say, I don't think that's through any fault of Hayek specifically. I think he is where he is in terms of his development. Um, you know, he's a guy who the Rangers definitely coveted as part of that trade, uh, you know, where they sent McDonough and Miller to Tampa. They're obviously were very interested in Lieber Hayek and they also liked Brett Howden. The thing that stands out to me specifically here about Hayek is you're throwing this guy and again, he's 22, so he's not a baby baby, right? But he is a young defenseman. He's a youth. Yeah, he's a youth. He's one of the youths. You're putting him out there with Jacob Truba on the top pair and he's getting roasted and they've just those two guys are just stuck together like magnets, right? And for whatever reason, that's the path that the, the coaching staff has taken um, with Ruff and Brown and, you know, Quinn and the brain trust there behind the bench. And if just if you can't separate them organically, then maybe the best thing to do is to kind of take the problem away from the coaching staff and say, all right, Mark Stahl's back. Maybe we put Mark Stahl with Jacob Trupa. Who the hell knows? And I'm not saying that's going to have a better end result, but I think it might be a mercy in some ways to to have Libor go down. And also, as you mentioned on the flagship, Tom, like in terms of merit, like Ryan Lindgren hasn't done anything wrong. Like he hasn't I don't think he's done anything to merit him getting, you know, kicked back down to Hartford. Yeah. And the, the only thing, other thing I would say from this, and obviously it's still a small, small sample, we can look at what Ryan Lindgren has done since being recalled from Hartford. Who's to say that Hayek doesn't go down, reset himself, and is called a up much at a better later Hartford point. Team. Yep. And he yeah. gains some confidence and he's able to breathe and play against competition at his skill set. Maybe he comes back a little more uh, put together and is in a position to help the team more than he has already. From Andrew metric, any update on Rikov? Not that I know of. No, nah, it's, there's really been nothing said about him. Um, so I guess no news is no news. He's not you know who, worse and who's better. Who's agent? Do you know off the top of your head? I do not. Yeah. Might be something to look into. He's trying to get to the bottom of that one. The thing is, I the fact that he hasn't played and, you know, it, given where his status is in terms of the depth chart, it wasn't a major news piece that he was hurt. Like a lot of people didn't even realize he was out, you know, you know, when he got hurt in preseason and training camp. But, you know, it's we're in December, Tom. Like, yeah. And this is a prospect who, frankly, you know, obviously he was a part of the uh, the Michael Grappner trade with the Devils. Um, but I really wouldn't mind having Rikov get a little taste of NHL action. But if he's this banged up, then there might be something serious going on here. And that's not I good hope news. not. I hope it's just I precautionary. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, from Josh Sarkin, 
At what point do we write Leas off? He hasn't lit the world on fire since returning to the AHL. Uh, before the show, I looked briefly at Leas's numbers. Haven't been able to watch any uh, Wolfpack games lately. Been a busy week with Cyber Monday and stuff with work. Um, Black Friday. Uh, he has two goals, uh, eight shots, eight pims, and five games in Hartford. He scored in his first game back down there, Tom, and his third game back down there. Uh, he's recently a minus three. Um, you know, in, in his most recent game, um, you know, certainly not lighting the world on fire. Although I do think it's it's important to point out that uh, Hartford has not been quite the same team since uh, Philip Hedel has been out of the picture down there because Hedel was just absolutely scorching the world and leaving it in ruins in terms of how good he looked in the AHL. Um, so there's been a, an adjustment for Hartford, uh, you know, to say the very least. Um when do we write off Leas Anderson, Tom? I think it's still very early. And and this is like a extreme case scenario, but you have cases of players who don't become anything in this league until they're they're much older. Um, but even just looking at the 2017 draft, if you look at points um you know since entering the league obviously you have nico heischer elias Pettersson at the top you have know, like nolan patrick mira heiskanen um but you have like you have like a drop down of of players who really haven't done much um you know martin nikas has 18 points in 34 games um you know cody glass has 10 points in 29 games obviously you know anderson having nine points in 66 games he certainly played in his fair amount of games but then you have you know other players who were you know highly touted whether it's like you know eli tolvanen he's only been in seven nhl games um owen tippett has been in seven nhl games you know christian veselainen has only been in five nhl games clem Claston four nhl games so yeah you you have a lot of and you even have talent um that hasn't played nhl games whether it's you know a, you know gabe velardi or cal foot timothy lilligren you have a lot of players who um you know they were drafted for a reason and they just haven't made their mark yet. Um, and even like Casey Middlestat, he's played in 111 games and he only has 39 points. So yeah. And there was interesting right behind him. Yeah. And it's interesting to bring up Middlestat because there's a lot of people who think that maybe the Sabres did him a disservice by having him in the NHL last season. Like, you know, it might not have helped his development, frankly, to be in the NHL. Um, and looking at, the situation with Leas, I just, I understand why we're starting to ask this question more and more. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, I just want to see a bigger sample size than five games in Hartford before we start, you know, putting up signs that we're having a yard sale on Leas Anderson. Like I want, I am rooting for him to work out. I want him to work out um, in a big, bad way, not only for the success of the team, but for the success of the player. Uh, for what he's had to endure and go through in terms of the pressure on him, um, in terms of becoming a scapegoat and the opportunity. Like I see, as you mentioned all those names, Tom, I imagine Leas is like, you know, a kid lining up, uh, you know, at a at a party. You remember goodie bags growing up? You get mm -hmm. goodie bags at parties. Those were the days. Uh, lining up at a party to take his crack at the pinata. But because his ice time is what it is and his opportunity has been what it is, 
It's like he's using a narrower, narrower stick to swing at a smaller pinata than some of the other kids. Like he just hasn't had the same crack. It might look like he's gotten a lot of swings to make an impression, but it hasn't been the same thing, especially because he's not even wasn't even really supposed to be a, a big point producer. Like this was a guy who, you know, just to throw numbers out there, was a guy that maybe he would be a guy who developed into, you know, like a 50 point center as opposed to, you know, a guy like Martinikas, who maybe has the potential to be a 65, 70, 75 point. Who the hell knows? Um, very different player than Leah Sanderson. Um, I don't know. I would say we might have that answer before the end of the season, though. And that's scary. Um, but also, hopefully it'll be a relief to have, you know, a relief to have resolution, I guess is one way to put it, um, on what happens with Leas and his future here. I know when he first got sent down, Brooks even mentioned, you know, like the Rangers might even want to consider moving him. And of course, you know, the deadline is come and gone on uh, the Rangers trading for someone like a Pugliarvi, um, you know, a guy who's an RFA who's unsigned. Um, and then the deadlines pass for a player like that to sign and then play in this the league this season. So um, that never came to fruition. Even, you know, how much fire there was beneath that smoke, we'll never really know. But yeah, it's uh, that is a question that I feel like will get answered this season one way or another, even though it feels like this kid has only been here for a minute. It just uh, it's getting to that point where we have to get an answer at Elias Anderson. I think Adam wrote that when he got sent down. It's it's really up to him now uh, to to prove a lot of people wrong and to, you know, say whatever you want. He's got to be a good player at the AHL level. Right. He's got to do it. And two goals in five games is okay, but it's not enough. Uh, I want to see him getting shots on net. I want to see Hartford starting to rebound. And right now Hartford is, I think they're 0-3-2 in their last five games, Tom. So a bit of a rough stretch for a team that was first in the AHL for for a good chunk of the the season there. Uh, From Diego Diaz, is Adam Fox the real Calder contender? Um, I guess he's saying amongst the Rangers rookies uh, as opposed to Capo Caco. Is Fox the Rangers' best chance at the Calder this year, Tom? Maybe, but and unless something drastic happens, it's going to be Cal McCarr. He's just... Yeah, I was going to say, if Cal McCarr has a season-ending injury, maybe, right? Because yeah. that's the problem is you have a goddamn stud to directly compete against. It would be, you know, like if Cal McCarr was a forward... Fox would have a better chance, but when you're comparing apples to apples in terms of rookie D, it's real tough. Although I do do want to point out, Tom, Adam Fox had a better year in college last year than Kale McCarr. So suck it, Colorado. Pieces of shit. Um, Yeah. Was there anything else there? I don't think so. I don't think the Rangers win the Calder this year between Capo Caco and... uh, Adam Fox. I could be wrong. Right it now, would, it's it would take it's like Cal McCars to lose. Yeah. Oh yeah, it would take like Kako to go on like a point per game play pace the rest of the way. You know, Tom. Let's you and I right now, for no reason whatsoever, just make a prediction on who wins the Calder, like a real serious prediction. Is your answer Cal McCarr? Yes, hundred percent. Mine is two. And I also just remember that Quinn Hughes is in the league. 
which is another great young D uh, that Adam Fox has to compete against. I think it's Kale McCarr by a very comfortable margin, truth be told. And I know he's shooting very high, but he is quite good at hockey. And he's getting two more minutes a night than uh, than young Mr. Fox. So, And needless to say, his team is a little bit better, especially now that Miko Rantanen's back. Um, I think it's also a question, though, Diego, that McCarr has played well while Colorado had some injuries. Yeah, he he stepped up and I think something like that makes an impression. Um, I forget who votes on Calder. I know GMs vote on Vezina. Is it media votes on Calder? I forget. Um, I'm pretty sure they do. I think the only award is so it's goalies is GMs. And then I think um, there's one that's broadcasters. That's right. One is broadcasters. I'll have to look after the show. Um, But yeah, it'll be real tough for Adam Fox to get there. Is he a contender? I mean, sure he is. Uh, He might be, you know, I think there's a very good chance he could end up top five. I think the problem is there's going to be another two defensemen in that top five with Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. Um, And I, I, think it would be foolish to rule out Capo Caco having a big, you know, three fourths of, you know, the last three fourths of his first season. Very possible that he breaks out. Just one of oh, those certainly. things where he could just kick in a gear um, from Shayna. We know her. How would you fix the fourth line, Tom? Because the fourth line does need some fixing. I would fix the fourth line by getting Brendan Smith off of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's my that's my step one too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, get the defenseman off the wing. My my ideal fourth line um, would be a, a Boo Neves down the middle, Lemieux mm-hmm. on the left, and Jesper Faust on the right because I think that could be a really fun pain in the ass line to play against and you have uh guys in Faust and Lemieux that like to you know go along the boards and can you know take the body and can create scoring chances through their you know their physicality and just their you know tenaciousness around the puck and then you have someone in Ineves who has some offensive ability is a good skater um you know pretty responsible player so that would be my ideal f- fourth line, but I know that's not going to happen because in this scenario, Howden's in the AHL. Um, so the realistic answer would be having the two wingers I mentioned and then Howden on the fourth line. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's like in my world, you want Filipino as your 2C. So let's say, okay, we'll have Strom as a winger um, with Panarin and Heedle. Why not? And you have KBZ and you have that line. Um, just, just you know, for the sake of putting it together on paper. Then you have, I like the idea of, I I don't like Greg McKeg necessarily in the mix. I like Nieves a lot more, especially as the 4C. So let's say you have, you have Brett Howden as 3C, um, and then you have Capo Caco. And then the real question to me is, who's that other winger? Um, I guess... I don't know. I think I'd like it to be someone who's good in two way and responsible like uh, like Jesper. But I just don't think that's that has had any good results yet. So I'm not sure. I like your answer, though. I'll just steal your answer. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's lazy, but hey, we had a long first show. What can I tell you? 
Uh, Dave Lucas, when do you expect the more anticipated prospects to be playing in the NHL? Lundqvist, Miller, Pajuniemi, and more, if you'd like. Um, when, are these, when are the babies going to be out of the, out of the bassinet? So I could see Miller in the NHL next year. Um, I think Miller that- in the NHL next year is the most likely thing to me. Um, he's the prospect who I think cracks the NHL next year. And it would be interesting to see, and obviously, um, you know, stranger things have happened, but is he someone that the Rangers would go, oh, you know, your season in college is over. Why don't you sign right now and get a little, you know, uh, action under your belt? But I think the more likely thing is that he um, does like an ATO with um, Hartford um, Mm. and then, you know, He's in the mix next year. Uh, Nils Lundqvist right now. You have so many options on the right-hand side. He, Yeah, I was about to say he's the most interesting to me because he's been great in the SHL with uh, with Lulia. Yeah. He's had a like, great, great year. But like like you said, Would he right come side, over like, for the AHL, though? Yeah, he could come over for the AHL. That's true. Or would he rather stay where he is? That's the tough call there because do you want – what do the Rangers want? Do they want to have a close eye on him in the AHL or do they want him to continue to, to cook in the SHL? He'll be 20 in July, late July. He'll, he turns 20. So like there isn't necessarily a rush here to make a decision, mm-hmm. but I feel like if you do keep him over in Sweden for another year, you're going to want to pencil him in two years from now to be in the, in the Rangers lineup. Like you don't want him to do, another year in Sweden and then a year in the AHL, but you also have to accommodate for, you do want this kid to adapt and get used to the American game, the North American, you know, ice surface and, you know, how things look different here. So it's an interesting one to me. I lean towards wanting him in the AHL um, because of, because of those factors. But I mean, I I guess a lot of it will tie directly into what the Rangers decide to do with Tony D'Angelo because that is one of my favorite, like, what the hell do they do things about this current team, Thomas. They could go a lot of ways uh, with the future of this blue line. And when you have as many young defensive prospects as this, you need to find these, you need to come to answers before they become, before you're even faced with the with the questions and the problems. Joey Keane to, too. You need to really know. Need to really, really know. And Joey Keen as well. God damn. He's another guy like he's exceeded expectations. He's been so good. Um, I mean, we, we talked about the D a bunch with Miller and Lundqvist and Pajun. Uh, I was going to transfer over to Pajuniemi and Kravstov. I think like Kravstov, if he's not here next season, I'd be really, really surprised, especially if Kreider's gone, which I think is the most likely scenario. Pajuniemi will be 21 next September. For those who don't know, he's the 132nd overall pick, uh, fifth round, 2018 draft. Uh, he's a winger, six foot, shoots right. This year in Liga with TPS, he has 13 goals and four assists in 23 games. Uh, so he's actually already exceeded his scoring uh, from last season. So he's had a big year, uh, to say the least. I. He's one like even before the show, I I was talking to you like I admitted to you. I didn't even he snuck up on me that he's had this good of a year. I haven't paid much attention to him. I just don't look at uh, I don't look at prospects in the Liga as closely as I do the SHL and the KHL. But damn. 13 goals, 23 games. 
not bad at all for a kid. Um, when he gets here, uh, I feel like that's almost anyone's guess. The fact that he's 20 now, uh, 21, maybe two years from now, uh, maybe a year from now when the Rangers want him in the AHL or, you know, maybe they can talk him into that because an important thing to remember with a lot of these uh, these guys, like we mentioned on the flagship, Tom, we talked a lot about like, oh, you know, yeah, you have your Phil DiGiuseppe's, you have all these guys you brought in for Hartford. A lot of them just have these one-year deals. Um, you know, the Rangers have, they made a lot of changes in Hartford, but they can very quickly completely retool Hartford and oh, make for room sure. for more kids, which is great because, you know, even guys like DiGiuseppe is actually an RFA. Um, he's 26, but he's an RFA, but they can just choose not to qualify him and, and let him walk. And the same is true, you know, of someone like Billy Meskinen, who, you know, frankly, a guy like Pajuniemi can become what the Rangers were probably hoping Meskinen could be, which is a guy who maybe becomes a bottom six guy in the NHL. But uh, a lot of interesting things happening with the prospects, you know, especially on the blue line. That's the thing. You know, we talk so much about goaltending because of, of how close Igor is. Like, I think you could make a case that Igor is ready for the NHL now, just from what we've seen. And, you know, maybe he has some growing pains. Maybe he doesn't. But you could also probably say <laughs> he'd look a lot different behind a, a more competent defense. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm so fascinated with what happens with the defense with, with Lundqvist and with, with Keandre and... You know, even now with Joey Keane, I mean, we didn't even get into Tarmo Reunainen and, you know, the fact that there's there's more there, Tom, like there, there's more there. And Adam just had a piece go up about Hunter Skinner, who's not going to be in the NHL anytime soon, mind you. But uh, Adam talked about getting that one wrong. I got Hunter Skinner wrong. He's been great. I mean, it's early, but he's definitely exceeded everyone's expectations for a guy who the Rangers drafted in the fourth round. Um, for those who don't know, uh, he has 22 points in 24 games with the London Knights, Tom. And he was a guy who came up through That's the USHL. Good. So, yeah, that is holy crap pretty good in terms of the Rangers found something special in the fourth round. Um, and he is, guess what, Tom? Right-handed. Uh, so, Too uh, many right-handies. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, again, it's a great problem to have in some regards, right? But I'm glad that some of these kids are also lefties because uh, given what we see out of the lefty this year, it's, oh God, I want it to not be this anymore. Um, our final question is from Tim. Is the defense strategy of seeding the neutral zone and blue line a rough tactic or is it a culmination of a collective galaxy brain of Quinn, Ruff, and Brown? I think it's mostly a rough thing because it's been this way for some time. I mean, I don't know if it's something that Quinn did um, previously or it's something, you know, Brown did. But if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is sort of something that's was was the case to a degree under, you know, AV. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like, at least. Um. Like the Rangers were not a team that really contested the blue line very much um, uh, in terms of zone entries, which is uh, boggles the mind because we know it's not just like you don't need to to invest in analytics to understand that 
you want the team to dump and you want the opposition to dump and chase because when you dump and chase, you have less of a chance of maintaining possession or regaining it because by dumping and chasing, you're surrendering the puck, you're surrendering possession and saying, we're going to have a foot race and we're going to have a battle in the corner. And I'm counting on me winning more of those battles than you. And I'm counting on me and my team having a better success rate at dumping and chasing than attempting to enter the zone with possession. And I feel like that that was done because you had guys like Girardi and Stahl who are not great skaters. So you didn't really want them getting walked at the blue line and then having, you know, situations where they're, you know, all the way back and there's no way of them getting back to the play. But I would think yeah, it may have stemmed from personnel is what you're saying. And that makes sense. Like you would have. Like for a lot of years, the Rangers did have a very slow defense. I mean, remember when Ryan McDonough was young, we're like, holy shit, this kid can skate. Like just in terms of how how he compared to the rest of the blue line, it was unbelievable. too. Yeah, it was like, holy shit, you can have defensemen who can skate. Delzato even going way, way back. Yeah, like a guy like, I don't, I don't remember him vividly, but even like a guy like Mike Sauer wasn't exactly fleet of yeah. foot. Yeah. Poor yeah. Michael Sauer. And now is the time when I'm sad because I remembered Mike Sauer. Um, but yeah, I I do think it's it might have been something that was a carryover specifically from the Vigneault years, like you were, you were starting to say, because and also, frankly, it is an older school approach, I think, where you, you know, you say all that matters is protecting the house and we're just not going to let you take shots from, you know, home plate easily so you can have. You know, you can enter our zone and we'll let our forwards back check and try to prevent it. But our defense are going to collapse and they're going to protect the net and they're going to not get beat on the outside. And it's funny because, frankly, we've seen the Rangers D get beat on the outside a lot, um, a lot, a lot uh, <laughs> to the point where it, it's maddening. And we see Shana make gifts of it all the time. But so which leads me to ask Tom if they're they're seeding the blue line and letting the opposition enter the zone without being contested much. And then they're also getting beat on the outside. Then what the hell is this for? Like, what is the, your guess is as good as mine. Because the thing is the Rangers goaltending is good enough where we can, we can depend on them to make saves. And frankly, there's also something to be said about transitioning away from this when the defense gets better, like instilling a, a new tactic here, because this doesn't work. I don't care. I know that coaches have different, we've heard it a lot lately, um, that coaches, you know, hey, we have our own uh, scoring chance stats. We have our own stats that are that are more accurate or different. We see, you know, we have our own stats that are different. Of course, you know, we remembered for years and years the sophisticated stats package, Um and, you know, we we look at it differently, better or different than the models that are publicly available, uh, despite the fact that, you know, almost everyone cites the models that are publicly available. The great work that's done, uh, you know, by places like Evolving Hockey and the Evolving Wild Twins and Natural Statric and other resources out there. It just I don't understand how much different could they possibly be than stats that are based on shot quality and shot quantity. And using, you know, <laughs> using a very reliable method of the the connected logic of if you enter the zone with puck possession, you have the puck. When you have the puck, you attempt more shots. Attempting more shots, especially quality shots, t- 
tends to lead to a higher expected goal differential. You'd think. Which, generally speaking, Tom, would lead to winning hockey games. I don't know what numbers would be different, but that's where we end up with this stuff, Tim, is a kind of different type of thinking. And again, I'm not trying to say one way of thinking is right, one way is wrong, but I do think when we've seen a lot of wrong and we haven't seen you know, any success from the way things are now that you would, I don't know, you would consider that maybe not only would you want to shake up the pairs, which we haven't seen much of, but frankly, you'd want to see, I don't know, a different approach. Maybe. Maybe, right? I don't know. What the hell? Fuck it, we'll do it live. Um, Was there anything else, Tom? We should wrap up. Yeah, we, we recorded for... A lot this week. Yeah, we gave we gave the people a lot. We, we gave, gave them the people their lot. money. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, now's the perfect time. I was looking at what else, what other merch we could do. I was thinking about like, I don't want to do a keychain, but you know what I'd like one day is a bottle opener. But I have no idea if we would be able to make those, Tom. Well, I think that's a good thing. People can what merch would you like to see? And if it's something yeah. that's feasible, we'll, we'll certainly look into it. Um, because yeah, you know, a blacksmith, you know, give them, give them like, uh, yeah, they give them gold coins. Cause that's the only thing that blacksmiths steal in. That's what dungeons and dragons has taught me. At least could have like drink coasters, like really nice ones. Like, you know, Oh, we could do that. We could do like phone cases and stuff through, uh, the site we do through our mugs. But, like, does anyone want a phone case? I don't know. Yeah. You guys but, want yeah. a tote bag? We could do a tote bag. But who wants a tote bag? They literally give tote bags out nowadays. You don't want a tote bag, folks. What you want is stickers. That's what you want. Stickers are good. And with that, I think we're done. Thanks again for listening. We will uh, talk to you again uh, next week. Goodbye, beautiful people.